Greetings. Welcome to the Calvary Media SDA podcast series. In episode 4 streamed live on May 7th, 2022, Elder Lorraine Brooks-Williams and Sister Marcy McDonald will be talking to you today about Sisters Empowered by the Named and the Nameless. Sit back and enjoy the Calvary audio experience. But first, a word from our sponsor. Looking to start a new podcast? Tired of paid services stealing your money for little benefits? Want a more versatile host service? Well, look no further than Anchor. Just sign up today and upload to your heart's content with Anchor. Brethren, my favorite part of worship is singing. My favorite part of worship at any time is singing. Thank you. Thank you, my brethren. Thank you. God bless you. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither can it enter at any point in time in us what heaven is going to be like. I have to come back to earth. I stand here to commend our church the Lighthouse of Love, and our women's ministry department for honoring women this time of the year and not just mothers. The truth is, there are women who are uncomfortable with this celebration as they have painful loss, unmet desires of probably being a mom or have lost a child to death, drugs, are just being disconnected from the true God. For this season, what if we treated people, women, this way? For your single friend who desperately wants to be a wife, mother someday, who volunteers to babysit your children, have your children make a, car, a card of encouragement how they appreciate her for stepping in like a mama to care for them. For that friend or sister struggling with infertility, acknowledge her pain, but don't pretend you understand. For the sister who has miscarriage, acknowledge that she's indeed a mother. Don't pretend the baby she carried never existed, or that her grief is never founded. The single mom, invite her to dine with your family or volunteer to watch her children while she get a quiet moment. For the mom who lost a child or the child who lost mama, give a hug or send a loving thought our memory. How could I not mention the grandmas, aunties, sisters, church mothers who mothered the countless who, had been, who, have, who would have been lost, burned for their love. For your mama, irrespective of her parenting style, thank her for being your mama. 
empowered by the name and the nameless. Daughters of God, often in life, it's not the easiest of times when all is peaches and cream, roses and poses, or even dandy and shandy that produce the best characters. But the hardest of times that can bring out the best in people. Have you tried so hard to do the right thing, but evil presents itself continually? Sometimes we squealed at God. Where are you? Well, today we are going to uncover, reveal through the life of Abigail, Hannah, Dorcas, the named. Sister Mark will focus on the nameless and discover some life lessons that can help us children understand how much God loves and cares for us. Today, Pastor, you're sitting right in front of me, but you can't call time. You know why? It's a high day in Zion, right? So we're not counting time today. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for preserving your word so we can be encouraged today. We are absolutely nothing but, Lord, you choose to speak through us. So let us not be seen, but you, Jesus Christ, be seen, be heard, so that lives can be blessed and transformed. We pray in your name. Amen. Abigail's life and Bible stories are powerful reflection of this truth. Instead of wallowing in self-pity and defeat over her circumstance, she acted courageously and used great wisdom when faced with threatening issue. You might be saying, can I learn anything from Abigail's life? more than we can think. Abigail was a wise woman in a toxic relationship. And her story is told in 1 Samuel 25. I will not be reading it in its entirety, but you know what? I'm only here to encourage you and to stimulate you to go in your quiet time, in your private moment, and read, study this scripture. Samuel the prophet had just died, and David and his men traveled down into the desert of Moan. It was there the conflict began. The Bible described Abigail as being an intelligent and beautiful woman, but sadly, her marriage was a hard one. To say she married into a toxic situation would likely be an understatement. One would ask, why Abigail, a Jewish girl who feared the Lord, would join with a heathen who does not honor and worship the true God? Didn't she learn from the Torah not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Didn't she learn that two can't want unless they agree? Nabal 
was a very wealthy man, but, the, but is also described as quick-tempered, grumpy, cantankerous, and mean in his dealings. Despite his lack of judgment, neighbors' households seemed to do all they could to and themselves out of the trouble he initiated. God's word tells us in chapter 25 that David and his 600 men had shown great kindness to Nabal and his workers. They had protected them when the servants had cared for their sheep out in the desert and they were faithful to never take anything from them. At a time when dangers in the desert lurked all around, this was a huge blessing from David to Nabal and his family. Their protection gave them the ability to finish their work and to prosper from their business dealings. So when David sent a word of kindness to Nabal, asking him for a simple act of hospitality, for his men. Imagine his anger when this hard-hearted man responded with such rudeness and contempt. Abigail was caught in this rising tension. Nabal answered David's wife, and this is 1 Samuel 25, 10 and 11. Who is this David? Who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? David said, hmm, you know who David was. David said, put on your swords. So they put on their swords and David put on his sword. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. David means business, and he's going to fix his business. I can imagine Nabal's servant immediately feared for their lives, and one of those servants instantly knew exactly where to run for help. Not to the police, but to Nabal's wife, Abigail. 1 Samuel 25, 14 to 17 clearly outlines the conversation. The gasping servant told Nabal's wife, Abigail, David sent messengers from the desert to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults of them, Mrs. Abigail. Yet these men were so good to us. Hmm. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Mrs. Abigail, night and day, there are walls around us. Now think it over and see what you can do, my mistress. Because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He's such a wicked man, that Nabal, that no one can talk to him. What can we learn from the wisdom and courage of Abigail's action? 
Don't one, don't let fear hold you back. Move forward in God's courage and wisdom. Move forward in God's courage and wisdom. Abigail lost no time. No matter how difficult or threatening the situation, God's power within us is greater than we can ever fully see or comprehend. He is able to use any of us, even those who feel insignificant or powerless, for his greater good. Abigail showed great wisdom in acting quickly, swiftly, and speaking honorably to David. She took control of the situation that was potentially dangerous for them all. She didn't just sit around and blame her husband or remain stuck in fear. She sent food and her servants up ahead before her. She chose wisely to act alone without neighbors knowing. And as she came riding her donkey towards David and his men, she met him with honor and respect for how he had cared for her people. Instead of hiding or cowering, Abigail moved forward towards the danger, knowing that God was surely with her and doing so saved her household. Point number two. Be humble and kind. Seek peace with those around you. When the scripture says in 1 Samuel 25, 23, and 24, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Abigail had the courage and strength to shoulder the blame for something she didn't do. She begged forgiveness on behalf of her entire household. And God used that moment to show David how wrong it would be to take revenge in his own way and kill these innocent servants. Brethren, this was a pivotal moment for Abigail because she had no idea how David would respond. But still, she chose to do the right thing. She looked beyond herself. She acted with humility and compassion. She sought to make peace with the very one her own husband had angered. She asked for a chance to speak and right the wrong. This act of prowess reminded me of Esther when she selflessly decided to go into the king for not only my people will be destroyed but also myself for I am a Jew so if I perish I perish point number three our words and action are powerful look at the bigger picture 
Abigail knew her words and action were powerful and carefully thought through each and every one. She understood that the bigger picture of this story was much more significant than that one moment. So she reminded David of how important it was that God was building greatness in his life, that the Lord himself was fighting for him. She obviously heard of David's stories that, that Saul had pursued his life, that David had used a sling to kill the giant Goliath and spoke in such a way to bring him back to God's bigger picture. All through David's life, God fought for him, his beloved, and that very God was fighting for Abigail too. Number four, a true warrior is loyal and faithful, thinking of others before themselves. Abigail fought to protect her husband and her house. She was not thinking only of herself, but of all those she loved. She was loyal and honored God and her family in all she did. She chose to show great respect towards David, reminding him that God will bring to his life blessings and every good thing he had already promised. Remember, God will fight for you. You are never alone. You are never alone. God fought for Abigail just as he so faithfully fight for us today. He did not leave her on her own, but gave her great favor in the sight of David. As God worked through Abigail and spared the lives of her entire household, she used timely wisdom in telling Nabal what had happened. Because of his drunkenness that evening, she waited till daybreak to share the whole story. And the Bible says, his wife told him all these things and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. God took care of Abigail and the story goes on to say that when David learned that Nabal had died, he sent word to her asking her to be his wife. David showed honor to Abigail by taking care of her, and the Lord faithfully provided for her and all her household because of the courage and wisdom she portrayed. Through her good judgment and choosing to act humbly and bravely, God showed himself strong on her behalf, saving David from going to battle and rescuing Abigail and her servants from the evil of Nabal. Often we are faced with difficult battles, our hard struggles. We may feel like we are left on our own, but God is always with us, leading us with a spirit of wisdom and discernment, pouring out his strength and grace, reminding us that he is the greatest power propelling us forward. We never had to stay stuck in fear or 
defeat, thinking that our situation will never change. As we are faithful to his word and his leadership, God can do in just a moment what may take years to work through by ourselves. Abigail's story reminds us again that God sees the heart and he works powerfully of those who choose to follow him. Maybe your story is different from Abigail's, yet you're still feeling like your future is troubled or threatened, possibly by illness, loss, uncertainty, or difficult relationship, or a very toxic one like Abigail. Be assured, my friend, God knows your way, and he understands the burden you carry. He is fighting for you right now, even when it's hard to see the full big picture. God is in control. Keep following his lead. My friends, God said he will give us beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for heaviness, the oil of joy for mourning. Keep pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. There is good and blessing still in store. Remember Abigail. Hannah. Anna is a woman in the Bible who dealt with a lot of adversity in her life. Yet she was steadfast in seeking out the Lord. And again, the story is in 1 Samuel 1. Do your studies. We learn about Anna's story and how she was one of, of two wives to Elkanah. Anna was barren and thwarted constantly by Penina. And she was angry with God. But despite Hannah's challenges, she was determined to surrender and submit her cares before the Lord. She prayed through her pain and resolved to continue to trust God. Like Hannah, we also face difficult challenges and difficult seasons in life. But being diligent in seeking God in prayer will guide, uplift, and encourage us to move forward in faith. Our circumstances may not always yield our desired outcome, but God wants us to continuously pray to him with courage, boldness, and expectation. Four simple lessons from Anna's life. Be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. First Samuel 1 12 states that he kept on praying. She kept on praying to the Lord. And her prayers were not just one time event, but she prayed with intensity and focus. She says she poured out her soul before 
the Lord. God calls for us to persistently pray for strength, wisdom, petition, and petition our request with consistency, confidence, and steadfastness. Today, I invite you to not lose heart and continue and continue to pray consistently to God, surrendering every emotion, doubt, fear, and anxiety over to God. God welcome us like a loving parent and hear us through prayers. Surrender your all before God. When Hannah prayed, she did not hold back. She poured all her emotions before God. I have been praying out of great anguish and grief, she said. Although God already knew Hannah's plight, she surrendered every raw emotion she was feeling. As we continue to grow in our relationship with God and spiritual maturity, God does not want us to sugarcoat where we are. At times, at times, we may believe that God cannot handle the weight of our situation. However, in our greatest season of strife and despair, God desires us to draw close to him. God can handle every weight, every burden, uncertainty, our fear we have. As I contemplated on this this morning, it just rushed to my mind what God did for me. When I prostrated my face, I was in a situation, brethren, and it was an immigration situation. My job was filing for me. And one day I was so excited because I got the letter that, you know, you are approved. And in 30 days, you'll be getting your green card. You can just imagine how excited I was. And in the said note, a few weeks later, I got another letter. You are in deportation. And I got that letter today. And tomorrow I got one for the, my first son. And the next day I got one for the other one. And these children, nine and seven. And we were all in deportation. And we have to face the court in 30 days in Hartford. You can just imagine. And I had a, a wrestle with God on my face. I said, God, that's not your character. That's not you. You can't give us something good and take it back. That's not your God. And I remember that day, I lied on the floor. And I cried from the bottom of my belly. And I said, God, where are you? Father, I stretch my hands to you. No other help I know. If you withdraw yourself from me, where shall I go? Who shall I go to? Brethren, the tears are hot tears coming down my eyes. I had no strength, but I tarried here with God. The day came for the court and we were going to wake up the little children, get them ready. And we're going down to Hartford. And I remember I went into the bathroom. My boy, everything in me weak. And I went into the bathroom. I don't know the outcome. And I went into the bathroom and I held on to the basin. 
in the bathroom. And I said, God, do something for me today. God, I'm begging you. I don't know who the church is. I don't know what I've never gone in a court. I don't know. But I'm begging you. My judge, my lawyer, my barrister, you are my God. Do something. And if you not choose to do it for me, remember these two boys. Do something. I can't bear it. So do something. And we went to Hartford. And we went into the court. And God bless Sister Sandra. She was there by my side, holding my hand. And the judge, I don't hear after, brethren, I don't hear after things. I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't know. But say what they have to say, and they're talking to the lawyer, and all I know, I answer to my name. Lorraine Brooks Williams, yes, sir. And whatever, I can't, I don't know, brethren. I still can't tell you, but he was saying something, whatever, whatever. But I know I heard when he said, I need to see the record. And the clerk of court, whoever she is, said, give us some time. We have to get it. And when they came back, they said, <clears throat> the visa that we were to appoint you, the classification that they place you in for the job was the wrong classification. That's why you are denied and in deportation. The judge said, look up at me, and he said, I am overturning this. And brethren, that is why I'm here today. And praise God. Myself and the two boys are citizens of this country today. Only Jesus, only Jesus is there in a situation that God cannot overturn. Hannah was barren. Hannah was barren. She was taunted by Penanai Ward's sons and daughter, but God heard her cry. The priest in the temple thought she was drunk, but Anna said it's too early. I am not drunk. I'm pouring out my soul before God. I know God is going to come true for me. And praise the Lord, Anna did not only bear Samuel, but Anna be her sons and daughter and she kept her promise and took the child to the temple to Eli even though Eli was not the best of priests but she trusted the God who gave her Samuel to take care of him brethren persevere in prayer Persevere in prayer. Faith is the victory that overcome the world. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember.
remember through honor, remember God's faithfulness. Brethren, speak victory despite opposition. Hannah was taunted initially for being barren by Elkanah's second wife, Penina, for many years. While Hannah wept and was distraught by this ongoing ridicule, she did not stop praying and seeking the Lord. Although her circumstances were overwhelming and she could have easily lost hope, she resolved to be victorious in Christ Jesus. When we face difficult seasons, our relationship that seem unbearable are hopeless. Let us be encouraged by Hannah's commitment to trust in God. Walk in Walking in victory does not mean that our challenges will instantaneously disappear, but it does mean that we have decided to not to have them consume us Begin to walk in victory each day and let God guide you through seasons of opposition and strife. Prayer is the powerful tool. <clears throat> Today, <clears throat> I am speaking to the Hannahs who are sitting in front of me are the Hannahs who are on Facebook, or YouTube, or Zoom. <clears throat> if you are in a season of ongoing adversity, challenges or opposition, I invite you to be encouraged by Hannah's story and her resilience in seeking God. Continue to be persistent in prayer Surrender all your emotions to God. Remember God's faithfulness and speak victory despite opposition. Remember there is life and death in the tongue. Speak life over your life. Speak life over your children's life. Speak life and never death because God is life. Dorcas. I recall in my early days of church worship when AY was MV, missionary volunteers, and community service was Dorcas Society. I'm so thankful that this church believes in community service, and that is in service and out service. And for this I say, Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Darkus Greek or Tabitha Hebrew. <clears throat> Who was Darkus? Acts 9.39 tells us that um, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothes that Darkus had made while she was still with them. Darkus actually trade was sewing but her most important task centered around giving practical help to people in her community by making them close. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Her story reveals several characteristics she displayed, and the passage show that 
Darka's motivation was to please the Lord and build his kingdom. Darkas displayed these traits, industriousness, compassion, charity, selflessness, grace. The Apostle Paul words seem to describe her mindset well. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Lessons from Darkas life. One, use the gifts you have given to help others. Use the gifts you have given to help others. Darkas had talent in designing, tailoring, and stitching. She put that to good use, making clothing for people who need it. Any ability can be utilized to help others in a very personal and practical way. Could be cooking, baking, organizing a friend's garage, writing a note of encouragement, whatever your gift, use it to honor God. Stay faithful in doing good for others. Stay faithful in doing good for others. Build relationships that will have last impact on others. When Darkas died, she left a legacy. She touched many lives and made many friends. As the widows gathered, they cried for the loss of someone they valued. If we give thought to how we will be remembered, it might change our priorities now. Do we care about what God cares about? Do we seek to show agape love to those around us? Do we look for ways to connect and support others? Brethren, make service and ministry toward others a priority. Let God use you to witness to others. Let God use you to witness to others. Be an example of agape love in your community. So, from these named women, Abigail, Dorcas, Hannah, there are some important lessons I just want to quickly leave with you. Abigail, don't let fear hold you back. Fight in God's power and wisdom. Stay humble. Focus on the big picture. Note, you are never alone. Hannah, push. Push. Pray until something happens. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Don't give up or let down. God is in control. Darkas, use whatever gifts God gives us to serve others. Remember, we are not serving man we are serving god sister mark will now share the encounter with the nameless
Good afternoon, everyone. Pleasant Sabbath rest to all. You don't normally see me up here like this, huh? God will use me. Ladies, you're looking beautiful out there. There are many sitting in the congregation, but I do not know your name. If I were referring to you, I may say the lady with the red hat. The lady is nameless, not because she has no name, but because I just don't know the name. I use a piece of her clothing as a way of identifying her. That is not to say I use a piece of her clothing to identify who I'm referring to. The hat is not who she is. It is just an identifier. So it is with some of the women in the Bible. I know it is debatable, but it seems that the Bible may have what is called a patriarchal society, where the father or the man is in charge a woman is sometimes identified by the man she's married to. We heard of Lot's wife, Potiphar's wife, Job's wife, and a woman may be known for where she's from, the woman of Samaria, the widow of Nain. The Bible may be silent on the names of some of these women, but it did not mean they are not important. The nameless woman encountered Jesus and their encounter with Christ is impacting lives even to this day. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. I'm here to be used by you. Open the hearts of your children who are sitting here. Let them not be hindered by what I lack but be filled by the message you give through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have all been inspired by named women of the Bible, like those Elder Williams just mentioned, Dorcas, Abigail, and Hannah, and many others are there. What about the nameless ones? Are they less important? than the named ones. We all know God doesn't do anything by chance. The named and the nameless both have a place in our salvation. They are both placed in this book to have an impact on our lives. As I said before, God does not do anything by chance. The fact that these women names were not mentioned in the Bible offers up the opportunity for each of us to be identified with their specific circumstances. They are nameless for us to be able to relate and to be inspired by them. Today, I will mention two popular nameless women in the Bible, and another one I'm sure not one of you have ever thought of. Now let's look at a chance encounter with Jesus 
by a nameless woman only known as the widow of Nain. I'm using the scripture that was read earlier by Tari, and I'll ask you all to turn your Bibles to Luke 7, verse 11. You go to the store 711, you'll remember this. Luke 7, verse 11. Father, as I read your words, open the understanding and hearts of the ears. I'm reading from the King James Version. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bar, and there that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, and that God has visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth through all Judea and throughout all the region around about. Jesus was traveling to Nain, and it said, much people, keep your Bibles open, because we will follow through. It said, much people were with him. He had just healed the centurion's servant the day before, so many of the people in the crowd may have wanted healing, or maybe they had someone to be healed. I have no knowledge of why, but they were there for something. Verse 2, Luke gives us a clear picture of this nameless woman circumstance. You look in your Bible, she was a widow. Her only son, her only adult son was dead and that much people of the city were with her. There is a probability that there were no family members to comfort her, since Luke did not mention that there were brethren, her brethren were with her. I didn't see that in the scripture, so I'm just taking the probability that there was no one else, just a crowd there with her. Christ has never met this woman before. It was not like Elijah in, um, 2 Kings 4, where he raised a Shumanite um, woman's son. Elijah was friendly with her. He knew her. He had known something about her. In this instance, this woman was a complete stranger. But this did not matter to Jesus. He saw her situation. He felt her hopelessness and was filled with compassion for her. She had no husband. In that society, that was her financial support. She had no son. One son, he, had, he was dead. He was also her financial support. 
This is not a situation where the child was sick and the possibility of recovery was there. The child was dead. She was on her way to bury him. Let us pause for a while. Can you imagine what was going through that woman's mind? Have you ever been in a situation that seemed hopeless? This was her rock bottom. She was distraught. She was weeping. Then she had an encounter with Jesus, our compassionate Savior. And he said to her, weep not. Now, what did those words mean to her compared to others who tried to comfort her? I've been in situations where I have good friends who come and sad to say, they say the wrong words. Good intention, but they say the wrong words. Some people don't say anything at all because they don't know what to say. Sometimes we get offended when we're in crisis and these things happen, right? People with the best of intention. But this weep not. Why should she not weep? She had a reason to weep. However, this instant, Christ weep not, meant more than dry your tears. It meant it was going to be all right. I am going to make it all right. And he did. Let's look at verse 14 and 15, how he made it all right. And he came and touched the bar, and they that bare him stood still and said, Young man, I say unto you, arise. He gave her back her son. He gave her back some financial stability. He gave her back her child. Because of the chance encounter with Jesus, there was a reversal of circumstances. A hopeless situation became a hopeful one. The widow had her son back and her life had changed. She was given hope. Let us not forget, there were much people around. They too may have saw what happened. They too was impacted by what happened. In verse 16 and 17, it said that God, they said, the people said, God had visited us. They had also spread the news around, and they also gave hope to others. So that situation not only gave hope to the mother, gave hope to all around her, just because of an encounter with Jesus. How is our sisters empowered by this encounter? It is empowering us with a knowledge that an encounter with Jesus changes lives. I am sure that woman, that woman walking to bury her son, all she had on her mind was all the distraught. She did not have Jesus on her mind, but he had her on his mind. Two, I can, we can provide an encounter with Christ for others. We are to display Jesus' compassion. Some of our sisters at work, at the supermarket, even in the church, are facing very hopeless situations. There are times when the epidemic has shattered many lives. We have financial problems, marital problems, children problems, all the problems you can think of. We are getting them. We are to be the provider 
of an encounter with Jesus. The first thing is to see the need and then do something about it. In order to do that, however, we have to have Christ here within us. We ask, sometimes we're asked to help, and we sometimes use the excuse, I have my child in school, no money. I have my mortgage to pay, no money. And so many excuses, and sometimes all we need to do is pray for God to find a way for us so we can help and thus provide an encounter with Jesus. Let us look at another woman, an unnamed woman. Her story is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I will read the encounter in Mark because it has more details, and I think I like that much better. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark 5. We're going to read verse 25 to 29. Mark 5. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but was rather getting worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. The woman in this story is nameless because it allows many of us, many of us to identify with her. This does not only relate on a desperate chronic health issue, but any circumstances where we are at our wit's end and we have tried everything humanly possible to make it work and it's not working. This nameless woman had many problems. She had social problems. She was an outcast. She couldn't mingle. She had religious problems too. They would not allow her in church because she was unclean and she had that health issue. 12 years of it and it was taking a toll. Another frustrating and hopeless issue. In verse 26, it said, she suffered many things of many physicians, and she did not get better, but got worse. Can you imagine you're putting money into a situation and it's not helping you? You are getting worse. You're throwing away your money. And women, to be prodded and poked by a physician, not fun. She went through a lot. She suffered a lot. It's said there in the Bible, she suffered at the hands of many physicians. But verse 27, she heard of Jesus. Yes, she had heard of his mighty works. She, had, she needed an encounter with him. She struggled through the crowd in her weakened state, not caring about or, or daring to any social protocol. That was past. She had to get to Jesus. Wow, what a crowd. What a struggle. Does that battle seem familiar to you? Have you ever had a situation you have to plow through a crowd? A crowd of many different kind of obstacles to get to Jesus, to get a cure? Well, if you haven't been there, 
I hope you never get there. Okay, D then she got the touch. That famous touch, that touch of faith, this was her encounter with Jesus. It changed her hopeless situation to a hopeful one. In the Desire of Ages, the chapter on the touch of faith, the point is emphasized. He, Jesus, gave no opportunity for superstition to claim healing virtue from the mere act of the touching of his garment. It was not through the outward contact with him, but through the faith which took hold on his divine pure power that cure was wrought. Christ wanted to establish that it was not his garment that caused healing. It was that was inside of her that manifested in that touch. That what is inside her was the faith, the faith of knowing who Jesus was and what he could do. Then she touched him. It was not the garment. Christ wanted to establish that it was not the garment that caused the healing, but the touch. The woman may have sought help from other sources before coming to Jesus. Sadly, we sometimes do the same. Jesus sometimes is our last resort. We're Christians, who should we go to first? Huh? Isn't he the great healer? Or do we not believe that he is? But we try everything and we use up all our money and then the last resort. But that didn't stop Jesus. He didn't mind. You still came to him and he's glad for that. She came and her faith pushed her through. However, it all changed when she heard about Jesus and she sought, out, sought him out and she had an encounter. She believed that he could help her. Even a mere contact with his garment was enough. That was her faith. Here is another chance encounter that changed the hopeless woman's life to one of hope. She was no longer an outcast. Mark 5.34 says, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She, now, she was now whole, spiritually, physically, and she was sure not a, a social outcast anymore. We ask ourselves, how can this sister empower us? We should be empowered by the fact that with faith, faith you see no obstacle, no social barriers, no religious barriers, you only see Jesus. Despite what you are going through, your faith will give you the strength to push through that crowd of barriers that are there. The religious barriers, the physical barriers that are there, you only see Jesus as the solution. Someone told her about Jesus. That's how we should also be. We should be empowered to go tell others too. Tell others of who he is and what he can do and allow them also to have an encounter with Jesus. Now the third woman, I may go off script for this because it's very dear to my heart. The third woman, I'm sure most of you have never given a second thought to. Have you ever thought about the thief on the cross, mother? 
Has anyone in here, if you have, put your hands up. Have you ever thought of the thief on the, the cross, mother? She's a nameless woman. But she did exist, you know, because he had a mother, right? He must have had a mother. And we are going to use what I would call our spiritual imagination right now. And we are going to go there. And we are going to get it from what we have learned from the Bible. Mothers like Hannah, Mary, we saw the type of mothers they were. They must have... This mother must have said something to this young man. She must have. She's a Jewish mother. He was a Jewish young man. The mothers used to read the scrolls. She may have read Psalm 22. Do you know that's a messianic, it's a prophetic um, psalm? What does it talk about? The crucifixion what Christ would suffer, it, it laid it out as is. And when the thief was on the cross, can you imagine him seeing it playing out? What did it do to him? It brought back to memory what his mother may have read to him. Everything playing out, the psalm was written way before Christ was on the cross. And that's what, what they used to read to their children. And if she had read that book to him, that's that scroll. What could have happened? We have no clue as exactly what happened with the thief on the cross. We got this bit of it. But as I said, we use our spiritual imagination. The thief on the cross was a Jewish man and he was a rebel like Barabbas. We know from what he says to other thieves that he has some knowledge of who Christ was. Like all the other mothers of the Bible, she must have read the scrolls to him. As I said, she may have read 22. Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53. Let us use our imagination and also think of some of the things our friend said to her. We know it would end up like this. It's not your fault you tried. You should have taken him to synagogue more often. That's what the rabbi Mabot said to her. All her prayers and scroll lessons were in vain. See where he is now? But who would have thought he would have had an encounter with Jesus? She thought it was over for him. The last she saw him, maybe he was in prison, talking to him and said, son, goodbye. But still have a prayer in her heart. There are many parents here who are going through the same situation. I've been into prayer groups where everybody is praying about their children. Everyone is praying. Some of them so hopeless, you say, okay, why not stop praying? But we don't stop praying. We cannot stop praying. Their mothers, their grandmothers, their aunts praying for our children. I read in, um, somewhere in Luke there where Jesus was looking on a woman crying. Maybe she was one of the mothers there too crying. Women weep not. Can do a straight quote, but that's what he said. Women weep not. She may have been one of those mothers there. This is giving mothers hope. Hope that at the last minute, last minute, your child may have an encounter with Jesus. And that's what we are praying for because that last minute counts. 
that made a difference because I know we'll see him in heaven. Amen? We will see that thief in heaven. We need to get there. So do not give up hope on your children. That mother, which you don't even know her name, you didn't even thought she existed before now, she is giving you hope. She was praying. She read the Bible to him. She read the scrolls to him. And she may have thought that it was hopeless, no situation, but, but, an encounter with Jesus changed that. We may have heard all the stories. Whenever we read these encounters, we are to ask ourselves, how do I relate? These women all had desperate, hopeless circumstances. Is there anyone who has never had any of those? Well, I'm happy for you if you have not. But if you look back or you're still in the circumstance, what, or should I say, who is our solution? An encounter with Jesus. The widow of Nain, like some of us, are not thinking of Jesus at all. He's not in our thoughts, but he provided the chance encounter to give us hope. If you have a little strength in you and you have a lot of problems, that little faith, you can reach out and touch. It is not the touch, but the faith behind the touch that makes the difference. The, that mother that was praying for her child, she even thought he was lost. Well, he, while he was upon the cross, he too had a chance encounter with Jesus, and what it did for them, it can be done for us as well. He can give us hope. He can change our circumstances. These sisters, the named, a sister mentioned, their strength of character should be an inspiration to us. Abigail, her strength, her, her wisdom, Hannah, persistent prayer, Dorcas, or giving attitude, and these nameless ones where we can fit in despite our circumstance. We can fit ourselves there. They should be an inspiration to us. For us to have the encounter and also provide an encounter with Jesus. The appeal today is this world has lots of hopeless situations. There may be some going on in our lives right now. Financial situations, marital situations, and I know lots of health situations. And we need an encounter with Jesus. If you are on the platforms out there, if you're on Zoom, you're on YouTube or Facebook, and what's the other one? Podcasts. You can have an encounter with Jesus. Um, but if you want to give wisdom and resources and need to provide an encounter with Jesus, you can be a friend as well. So if any of those you want to be, you want to be a, a source of strength, please stand. And if you want an encounter with Jesus, please stand. You can type in the chat whatever you want. You want the encounter or you want to provide the encounter. And Sister Lorraine will take us to the throne of grace.
Let us pray. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you that you are God and God alone, and there is none like you. We thank you, Lord, that you go to whatever ends it takes to save your errant children. And we are so happy, Lord, that you did not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. Father, we need an encounter with you. We beg you, Lord, to provide that encounter for us and help us, Lord, to accept your giving to us as you release that blessing. Dearest Jesus, Dearest Jesus, make us friend of the friendless. Help us, Lord, to share what you have done for us. Help us, Lord, to use our gifts and talent to honor and glorify you. Help us, Lord, to have your wisdom from an eye, your strength from an eye, your courage from an eye. And Lord, like Hannah, let us be persistent in seeking you and let us speak life over our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the nameless, because we all can fit into this situation. And we pray, Lord, that every waiting heart that stands before you will be blessed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into episode four of the Calvary Media SDA podcast series. We are looking forward to seeing you again next week for episode five. Have a great one and stay blessed.